0: Yeah. I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the Acquisitions Editor for c Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at c Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. Hi everyone, and thanks for tuning back in. We took a short hiatus, but are back for another season. Um, today, I'll be talking with Lynn Kulish. Um Lynn is a fiber artist teacher, and an author. She's most well known for her bright colors, hand-dyed fabrics, and creating mixed media fiber art. She teaches locally in the San Francisco Bay Area, nationally at quilt shows, and online. Um, she's written or co-written five books, all on color and fun with fabric. Um, and most fun, she's also a former co-worker of mine, <laughs> having spent a couple of decades editing books at CNT. So welcome, Lynn. Hi, Roxanne. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. It's good to see you again. Um, <laughs> I miss seeing you in meetings. You know, when I joined c and you were one of our veteran e- editors. Um, so how, how is it that you got into editing creative content in the first place?
1: Well, I had just left a job that I really didn't like, and I was at a quilt show, and I picked up a flyer that said, Quilter's Dream Job, and it turned out to be for CNT. And so I applied and started out as a technical editor.
0: Now, um just for those people who don't know, um, and for those of you listening, I'm going a little off script so th- throwing a curveball at Lynn. Um, Can you explain the difference between a technical editor um, and what you were doing when I started working with you, which was development?
1: Oh, sure. That's easy. Um, A technical editor is responsible for making sure that all of the information in the book is correct, and that if a reader follows the instructions, they will end up with with a quilt that looks exactly like the picture. Um, A developmental editor is more involved with the concepts of the book and helping um, guide and develop the book as a whole, not being concerned with the technical aspects, but just the overall content, making sure it's coherent, that the book flows smoothly.
0: And... How, you know, you did that for quite a while, um, and how do you feel that working on so many different books affected you as an artist?
1: Oh my gosh, I learned so much about so many things. I mean, I never, I, I, regret that I didn't keep track of everything, so I don't know exactly how many books I worked on, but my guesstimate is at about 200 over the almost 20 years, and so you know everything from very traditional to very non-traditional. So I just I learned so much.
0: And in you know, as an editor myself, I will say that every single editor starts out trying to keep track of the number of books people <laughs> run and eventually loses track. And has yeah, to guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I imagine.
0: Oh, I'm sure that's actually probably a low estimate. Um, yeah. And then do you feel like the number of instructional books that you helped create um, helped to prepare you to be a teacher?
1: Um, I, it did. I think, I think the learning part was probably most helpful in terms of just learning a, just a huge broad range of things. So it makes it easier because when you're in a classroom, who knows what's going to come up. And so, being able to you know answer questions and deal with problems that students are having almost no matter what it is, I feel pretty comfortable that I can come up with something and I think if I didn't have such a broad range, I would be more limited in what i what what I bring to a class
0: well and you're you're not just an editor um, or a teacher you know in the past you have also authored your own books I have um, <laughs> And that's a whole different beast um, than just editing uh, or or just teaching or just trying new things. And it, like, so how has writing your own books affected or I guess reflected your teaching style?
1: Well, uh, uh, the books that I authored by myself, I basically wrote the way that I teach. So it's really, it was really easy for me to use them in the classroom as a teaching tool. Um, you know, for other books, it, um, again, it's just the learning all the different things, like all the, you know, inkjet printing on fabrics just really expanded my knowledge of those fields and just gave me lots of different ideas of things that you can do and different ways to incorporate um, those processes.
0: Well, and as long as I've known you... Um... <laughs> And especially when I first started, one of the things um that's really struck me is that you always had a new and usually different project um, going on um, what all do you do not just as a teacher but for your own enjoyment? what all do I do? A
1: lot of what I do revolves around playing with paints and dyes and fabric and you know incorporating paper and unusual materials and just you know seeing seeing what one can do with those things um on other things recently i've gotten more into hiking um and i the bay area is such an incredible place if anybody you know follows my instagram they you know they get to see all the amazing places we get to go and they're all you know these are all these are all day hikes it's just within the immediate bay area Um, I used to do a lot of flower arranging, which I don't do quite anymore. Um, I studied Ikebana, Japanese flower arranging, for about 20 years um, until my teacher passed away. And that was a big influence on my my whole visual aesthetic. So that's the kind of stuff I do.
0: Well, and what's the number one driver i would guess is the right word what's the number one driver for your art or your projects like what you try next
1: um a lot of it i think really has to do with playing with color that i just i love dyeing fabric i love creating new patterns you know uh new uh like shibori patterns within the fabric um as opposed to patterns you know that you copy in (laughs) quilts <laughs> out. Of. So just playing with different, you know, visual textures on fabric and colors, I think drives a lot of what I end up doing.
0: Well and um I, I thought it was always fun that whenever we met as an editorial group, no matter how the conversation went, at some point you would say, oh, and I tried this new thing <laughs> and it was always <laughs> something different. Um so I well, feel I'll, like we've got a huge innate curiosity. Well
1: I do. I mean a lot of that was at CNT was triggered by CNT because you know because I also helped develop a lot of the new products that were related to you know art quilting and mixed media. So um, you know it's kind of like when um, when CNT started with craft tax, you know they gave it to me and said, "What can you do with it?" So of course my first thing is, "Well, can I paint it? Can I dye it? What happens if I burn it? Does it melt?" You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so because, you know, same thing when we were putting together the um, Artful Fiber Kit. Same thing. What can we do with all this stuff?
0: So yeah. a lot
1: of it was just spurred with, you know, products and things that we were,
0: you know, doing within c and I, you know, I'd kind of forgotten that you worked with product development as well. <laughs> um, you've got a pretty broad background.
1: Well, it just, it sort of just fell into, you know, the kind of stuff I like to do and what I did. So, especially being, you know, more interested in in art quilting and mixed media things sort of led me in that direction.
0: Um, well, and I've noticed, too, like, you know, just when I prepare for an interview, I, I go out and I do a lot of reading and I do a lot of listening. Um, and I've noticed that recently you've been talking a lot about working um, with intention. Yes. That kind of struck me as is maybe a little bit different or a new approach. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure.
1: Um, that started some, years ago. I took a, um, when, when working improvisationally sort of became more popular, I took a class and the teacher kept saying, oh, don't think, just so; Just cut things up and sew them together. And so, I did. And the thing that came out of that was just, it was a mess because there was, just you know, it was just chaotic. And I've noticed that with a lot of people who start getting into improvisational work, that if they don't have some intent, um, it just looks sort of like it's a bunch of fabric that was thrown together. And so my approach is that I have to know one of two things I either have to know where I want to end up and I figure out how to get there, or I know how I want to work, but I don't know where it's going to end up. So I have. I start with something and I'm happy to change it on route but I found find that I'm much happier with all of my work when I have one of those two
0: things going in Gotcha um that totally makes sense because I feel like I I kind of come from the mess school so <laughs> <laughs> You know and
1: and people doing it may like it that way but I just I find for my own work I'm much happier when I have some sort of, like I said, intention, it could be, it could be a color scheme. It could be, I'm going to do, you know, work just with straight lines or I'm just going to work with curves, but there has to be some unifying principle involved. And part of that's also been tied to really um, getting more into using and understanding basic design principles. And then I find that knowing them, and that they've they've really they've really pretty much become ingrained, but it's it's one of the things I I also teach and do a lecture on is just understanding those basic principles helps so much.
0: It almost sounds like you give yourself like a a design prompt to start with, a, or, or a framework.
1: Yeah, a, a prompt, a framework, something. And like I said, I'm happy to change it on route if I discover something exciting on the way. I don't feel like I have to if I say I'm going to do this that I have to stick with it. But having something to start with makes all the difference.
0: No, that makes sense. I think that's fun. I want to take that class. If you, could, <laughs> if you could post that one to create a spark, that would be fun. Um, well, and I I I've always wanted to tell you that um my background is kind of varied. I've been doing acquisitions and editing for like more than two decades at this point. Um, and, and you know, had about 12 years under my belt when I came to CNT. Um, so I wasn't new, but I had was relatively new to crafting um, or editing crafting content. I should say I've crafted for a long time. But um, and when you first start working on creative content, the first instinct is projects, right? You know, we're going to make a project. Right. We're going to give right. people projects to make. And I think what I've always wanted to tell you is the most important thing that you taught me as an editor working on creative content is that there's something truly empowering about not teaching projects and teaching just the techniques to allow the reader or the student to use the techniques you offer to express their own aesthetic. Um, And how do you instill that into your students?
1: Um, mostly by saying we're learning a technique, we're not learning a project. Um, you know, I don't come into it saying we're going to make this exact quilt. Uh, and what I teach is how to do stuff. And then I also really just throughout a class encourage people to go their own way. And I think fortunately, I, the students who tend to take my classes are happy with that. I think that's what they want to do. I think if they wanted to take a project class, they would take classes from other teachers.
0: <laughs> no, <that's laughs> fun. yeah it's just it was an interesting perspective and it's done I think it's done really well in terms of books I, and authors that I've worked with so oh
1: good yeah I you know I think there are some some people I do have people in classes for whom it's the first time they've done that and the sense of accomplishment that they have with themselves is just so cool to see because it's sort of like you know you're you're breaking down a little barrier for them, you're um, the one of the phrases that you hear so often is like you know breaking out of your comfort zone, and I was in uh, I've, I've been I also do yoga which is something else I enjoy and you know the non the non uh, art stuff and the teacher my teacher often mentions expanding your comfort zone and i like that phrase much more than breaking out of your comfort zone cuz i think for a lot of people it's easier to you know take a step at a time rather than leaping off a cliff and so <laughs> i really try to encourage the expanding your comfort zone rather than just freaking out going oh my god i've never done this before i don't know what to do
0: yeah i like that perspective that does seem a little less intimidating for sure it's
1: it's it's, it's a lot gentler <laughs>
0: Well and that was that was one influence that you gave to me, um, but how influenced were you by all of the different authors that you worked with, and were there any in particular that kind of influenced your teaching style in particular or your approach to teaching
1: oh yeah i I mean there's so many i again i like I said, I learned so much from so many of the authors that I worked with, both in terms of uh, you know, content, and I also have taken classes from a lot of people, and so that really helped. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> that really helped me solidify how I wanted to teach. I mean, in terms of really expanding my art, I think before before I started working at CNT, I was pretty much a self-taught quilter. I've been sewing since I was, you know, probably six years old. So I knew how to sew. I made a lot of my own clothes. And when friends started having babies, it was like, well, what do you do? You make a quilt. And so my approach was, well, I've got fabric on how to sew. What's the big deal? So I just started making quilts. And some of the first books I bought were by Yvonne Porcella who was one of CNT's early authors. And so when I saw the flyer that I picked up at the quilt show about quilters, you know, quilters dream job, and I didn't know what CNT was. And I looked at the books I had and I went, oh, these are the books I have. C&T published them. I guess they were okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Yvonne was certainly a very early influence. Um, Ruth McDowell, in many ways, um, has been a huge influence, and um, I think the other person who's been a pretty major influence is Gene Wells. So I think there are a lot of other people who have influenced me along the way. But in terms of major, I would I would say those three.
0: Those those are some big ones.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to be influenced, you might, be, might as well be
0: influenced by the best that's true that's true and you did have some good access so that's that's I did
1: I did it was uh, some of it was a little intimidating at first but you know after a while you realize oh yeah they're just people like the rest of us
0: (laughs) that is true that is true and and I remember when you came into a meeting and said you were you were leaving you were retiring and you were going to go teach full time um and though it was kind of surprising, I think, to those of us who didn't see it coming, I'm sure <laughs> maybe it was something that you had been planning for a while. But what was the tipping point where you kind of felt like you were done editing um, for other people and you wanted to teach full time?
1: OK, I have to say I was I had been talking about it for about a year, a year and a half.
0: So <laughs> it well, really, was not in the office. So I missed all some of the yeah, so you bad. probably
1: missed most of that. Um, I think it was. Primarily, well, I'd been there almost twenty years. I knew it'd be twenty years, and so when I turned sixty-five and knew I could get Medicare and had health coverage, that was when I said, "Okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to move on." And I had been, I had been teaching um, for a lot of the time. I was working at CNT. CNT was always really good about um, working with me to allow me to get out and teach, and uh, a lot of, a lot of my early teaching involved teaching things that use cnt books and products so it was it was a great fit and a good way to get into teaching
0: well and how did you find that shift from from working on other people's content to creating your own and and pushing it out
1: um pretty easy i was ready you know after you've worked on uh, so many books it was like okay i'm ready to just really focus on doing my own stuff now
0: well, and I've been listening to you know some of your previous interviews, um, and one thing that I noticed was that you you note failing, which um, for those of <laughs> you, for those people who can't see, which is all of you, um, you always put failing in air quotes. Um, you note that failing is part of the process for you. Can you can you kind of explain what that is and how that works into the teaching?
1: Well, I think uh, I think most of us, if we're willing, learn more by failing than we do by succeeding. Because if I if I make a quilt that turns out really great, I don't always know exactly why it turned out so well. When I do something I don't like and I take the time to figure out why, I learn so much more. And it's it's sort of like, it, I guess it goes along with expanding your comfort zone. If you don't fail now and then, you're not trying hard enough. You're just I think you you end up just doing the same old thing over and over again, and that. It's, you know, it's fabric, it's thread, it's a little time. What's the big deal? That I think we get so tied to how precious things are that we're just afraid to try stuff. And so I think finding ways to get beyond that. And it might be, um, you know, playing with paper and paint to try something out rather than, you know, my good fabric and my hand dyes. Or, you know, trying stuff with newspaper to see how something works. But, yeah, so so there's less there's less pressure that if it doesn't work out, it's no big deal. But I think you have to try stuff and see what happens.
0: Well, and I should put you in touch with one of our other authors, um, Cindy Gristella, because she. Oh, I has a whole, I, oh you know her?
1: I, yeah, I, I, I Yes, I was the one who actually uh, talked her into working with cnt oh
0: absolutely. well I, I can thank you for that as well um she's lovely but one of her cool things is that when when she has a fail she cuts it apart and makes it something new which i think is really cool
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean you can continue to rework something until you're down to the size size of about a you know a postcard so there's always options to turn something into something else
0: which is really fun. Yeah. Um, I will, I will say that your timing, um, has made your shift to teaching a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, cause you shifted away from editing to full-time teaching and then not too many, many months later, you've now had to shift away from and back to, and, you know, in-person yeah. teaching. And yeah. so how has that transition been?
1: You know, virtual teaching is actually kind of cool because you can teach in a lot of different places. You don't have to pack up all your stuff. Um, You know, it involves kind of a different process As for most of the virtual teaching I have done involves, you know, shooting videos. Um, I know there are people who have setups with multiple cameras and I'm just not that adept with all of that. It was much easier for me to just videotape the content that Anything that would be a hands-on demo, I videotaped for the classes. So I was able to, you know, talk about stuff, show videos, talk about stuff, show videos, let people have time to work. Um, I think they've done, they've worked out really well. And I've gotten, you know, for the virtual classes I've done, I've gotten good feedback. So I'm happy with that.
0: Excellent. Yeah. I've got them both in my, um, my account. So (laughs) (laughs) once I'm sure I'm not going to die the cat so I can go in for that, but, um, well, and what's, um, is it difficult to shift back and forth between, you know, like you've got road to California is coming up really soon for you. Um, Right. I think you might have another class coming up for creative spark. Like, is it? I'm working on some.
1: No, I don't think so. No, it's, it's only the chaos in my studio that's hard (laughs) of, you know, having, leaving the setup for, you know, taping videos, but having room to, you know, collect everything that I need to take with me, you know, to go down the road. So I'm starting, that's in a couple of weeks. So I've got, you know, starting to put together my plastic bins of what do I need to take and that, that's the only harder part, you know, and just, okay, what do I, what do I have to pack? the the one of the great things about the virtual teaching is you don't have to worry about forgetting anything. That's you true. Cuz you've got all your you've got all your stuff.
0: That's true. That's so. true. Although I believe well I guess it would be the same for either, but if you don't trying to get it shipped in at this point is a little a little dicey.
1: Well <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm I am I'm pulling back a little bit and probably going to stick to in-person teaching more on the west coast and maybe some guilds rather than, cause I was supposed to fly out to Paducah and I was supposed to fly to Vermont and just all the logistics involved and flying is just so hard now. And so if I can stick to things where I can drive, I, I might be leaning in that direction.
0: I hear you. It's, <laughs> it's not the season to be booking crazy. Um,
1: it's, it's not. And you know, I'm, It's just traveling is just really hard on the body and on the, you know, on the body and on the
0: mind. So. Well, but you do have, I noticed, I noticed when I was praising your upcoming activities, you really do have an exciting trip coming up closer to the end of the year. I do. Uh, Where are you going?
1: Um, France. Um, I am working with a tour company and they actually put together the entire tour and um, it starts in Paris, and then there's a couple of days at the uh, European Patchwork meeting, which is very exciting. And then we work our way down to uh, Provence. So, um, and, it's, uh, and it's a very experienced tour company. They do a lot of these tours all over the world, and they put the whole package together. Uh, they make all the arrangements, they arrange for English-speaking guides, and I just sort of facilitate the process and make sure everything goes smoothly for everybody. So yes, I'm I'm very excited about that. I'm trying to keep a, a small measure of, you know, COVID could rear its head again and scotch the trip, and it might have to get pushed out a year, but I'm hoping um I'm hoping that people will sign up and they'll have enough people to, to make the trip happen.
0: Well, and if anybody who's listening wants to join that trip, I did find that you can just jump on over and find a link to it on your website. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it looks and it, fun. If I didn't have tuition, I might be joining <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, I I think it's going to be really cool. So, you know, for quilters and non-quilters alike, because there's just a lot of, a lot of really interesting activities along the way.
0: Do they, do you have any on like classes along the way or is it more? I think
1: there's one hands-on workshop and I I can't remember which that is, Um, but it involves, you know, looking at pottery and textiles and wine and all those fun things you do in France. (laughs) Excellent. That's the
0: full package. <laughs> so yes, I'm
1: very, I'm very excited about that.
0: Well, on the in studio front, um, you're two. You've got two current classes online um, with Creative Spark, and both of those are on dying. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, and well, and we, you and I both know from just audience and, and reader experience that dying can sometimes be intimidating. Um, so, what would you say to somebody who's kind of thinking about it but they're hesitant to click that class because they're they're a little intimidated by dying
1: because it's so 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 easy and it's so so fun it's a, it's really hard to make a mistake you things might turn out exactly the way you want them they may turn out better um you don't need a lot of supplies you don't need a lot of space it's just it's very very easy and um, I've gotten good feedback on the videos and it really does take everybody step-by-step step through the process and just show you how easy it is, especially the, you know, the beginning one.
0: And then the Shibori one, um, if anybody hasn't seen it, pop on over and look at just even just the images. Um, that one looks fascinating.
1: It, again, it's, it is, it's, there's so many different, you know, combinations of patterns and textures you can come up with. And again, it's just, it's pretty easy and straightforward. Uh, I mean, I know I was kind of intimidated when I started dying. And, you know, I took a class and I went, well, this is easy. <laughs> what was I so worried about? <laughs> so ho- so hopefully people will get that from from the creative spark class and just understand that it's really straightforward. And it's, you know, it's not, if you want to be able to like replicate colors precisely, there's more involved. But I don't worry about that. And I just play and have fun with with color.
0: Well, and with all of the students that you've taught over the years, um, and this is one of my standard questions just because it is so fun and I know almost all of you so well. Um, (laughs) The readers you've shared with um, and all of the different sewing and and crafting miles that you've put in there. there's always something that went very horribly wrong. Um, Do you have a moment that falls into the (laughs) laughing about it later category?
1: You know, I, I I was thinking about, you know, I don't, I can't can't think think of one. Um, Not to say that there haven't been, there's just, I I must have erased them from my mind. I mean, I can certainly remember, you know, stupid things I've said to people.
0: (laughs) We've all done that,
1: <laughs> you know, and um, I mean, I I, I I will share one of those. So very early on when I was working with Ruth McDowell, I was kind of intimidated by her. I didn't know her very well. And we were on, chatting on the phone and I called her about something and she said, oh, hi, you know, I just finished quilting a quilt and I, you know, putting my feet up and having a beer. And I said, what do you mean you're having a beer? And my thought was, you're Ruth McDowell, you know, you're you're the goddess of quilting. And she goes, oh, don't worry, it's okay, it's six o'clock here. <laughs> <laughs> just a person. Just a person, oh yeah. You know, and I got to know her a little bit over the years. And yeah, she's just a really, I mean, she's an amazing person, but yeah, you know. She sometimes has cereal for breakfast, uh, I mean, cereal for dinner. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> um, she was, she was over at my house once and we had just gotten new cats and she'd got down on the floor with me and we're sitting and playing with the cats. It's like, you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Yeah, it's it's not as much. I will say, Lynn it's not as much fun as having sewn your own shirt to a quilt or anything good like that. But you know, I
1: I haven't done that in class. I mean, I've certainly done things like that at home. (laughs) Of you know, darn darn yeah, darning socks and sewing my socks to my jeans. But
0: yeah, well, just knock on wood because (laughs) all the teachers I've talked to, you do have that to look forward to at some point.
1: Well, it's like I said, I'm sure I've done it. I just can't think of it right now.
0: Oh my goodness. I hear you. Um so what are you what are you up to now? What do you have going on? What's what can people look for if they want to hear more or see more?
1: Um well, certainly following me on Instagram. I try and uh, you know, it's a combination of fiber related stuff and just stuff going on, a lot of pretty nature photos from hiking and things. Uh, I am working on getting some more classes up on Creative Spark, albeit a little slowly. Um, and I'll admit I'm being kind of lazy these days, so um, I am going to be the guest artist at the Tri Cities Quilt Guild show, and that's in uh, Washington State. That's in March, and looking forward to teaching again in Sisters in July. That's always mm-hmm. a fabulous, it's a fabulous place to take classes. It's great to to you know to be in town for the quilt show. So definitely looking forward to that. And after not having been there for two years, you know, because of the pandemic we did one, one year was canceled. Last year was virtual. So really hoping this year we'll, we'll be able to do it live.
0: I hope so too. That's that show is on my quilting. Um, Your bucket list? list. Yeah. 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 I'll <laughs> convince us to to send me out there. <laughs>
1: It's such, it's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful place. In addition to, you know, just amazing walking around the, the whole town is just covered in quilts and. um, Which is such a
0: unique show. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, for those people who are listening, um, if you go to the podcast description, there will be a link to Lynn's website where you can find information about her, her workshops, uh, where she's going to be next. Um, you can also learn a little bit more about the tour she'll be giving at the end of the year. And I'll also include a link to her Instagram account, um, her creative spark classes and possibly more links. If I get really creative, Oh so, <laughs> <laughs> do pop on over and look there if you want to see more, um, and Lynn, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, especially when you're getting ready for a show. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> oh, my pleasure. This is really, it's fun to, it's fun to talk and see you.
0: <laughs> you too. All right. Well, thank you so much. This is Roxanne Zerta. Thanks for listening to Behind the Scenes. Want to know more about our outstanding group of authors and their books? Visit us online at CT Publishing on Instagram, Twitter, our CNT Publishing channel on YouTube, or on our website at ctpub.com.